Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post Atomic Venture Brothers podcast with your hosts, Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Covering Season 3 Episode 2, The Doctor is Sin, and Season 4 Episode 12, Everybody Comes to Hanks. Hi friends, it's us again doing another show we like. Yeah, we're the, you're, what, two epi- one episode deep into the stuff we like arc of Pa. Yeah, there's there's only going to be three of these, but... Uh, yes, but they'll all know. be great. They will, mm-hmm. they will. Next week's promises to be great as well, but first, Venture Brothers. Yep. Oh which, god. I, it's interesting because all three of the series we chose mm-hmm. are things that you and I both obviously love. That was the point. Mm-hmm. And they're also about very broken people. Oh, yeah. Like, all all three shows are fun, but also about very broken people. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, that that's that's the formula for us, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, thought of that's it the entertainment until... we enjoy, like. Yeah. But it's an stuff interesting... happens to sad people. Or, you know, fun fun to watch stuff happens while people struggle with their mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. And that's what this show is. Sad people who don't get better. And what yeah, could be basically. better than that? <laughs> Not much. So before we get into it, mm-hmm. like what what let, let's lay a little prologue down. Like what's your history with this show? What's <clears throat> the you know, what's the deal? So Venture Brothers, which was the TV series that aired, I don't remember when it aired originally. Uh, it began in it began in 2004. Okay, in 2004, when I would have been... 15 years ago, and it's Lord. still running, uh-huh. by the way. Okay, 15 years ago, I would have been... I don't know. This Venture Brothers is the show of my 20s. Mm-hmm. It was like the thing I was obsessed with for most of my 20s. Um, Sabrina brought it back on a couple of DVDs when she went visiting in the States, and we all just watched this this weird show that was everything I was interested in at the time. Like it was this weird like callback to Johnny Quest. Um, it had all this. Now, did like, you did you watch Johnny Quest? Because early on, this was just a straight up parody of that. I watched a. I saw maybe one or two episodes of Johnny Quest, and I also saw a couple episodes of the New Adventures of Johnny Quest. Mm-hmm. So I was aware of it, but I didn't like it. Like ah, it was. See, I went back and watched it. Boring. I went back and watched it a couple of years ago. It's actually really good when you're a grown up. When you're a kid, it is kind of boring, mm-hmm. but it's beautiful and it's interesting and it's pulpy as hell. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of it that does not appeal to a certain kind of kid, and we probably were both that kid. Yeah. So like I like I got the joke and like mm-hmm. just it was it was so genuinely funny while being about everything I like. The interesting thing is the show has grown like it has been on for 15 years, mm-hmm. but they've only done six seasons, maybe seven yeah. the most recent seasons. They they come out with one every two years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because I believe next year will be year 16 and they'll be doing season eight. Finally. Yeah, that's just how the show rolls. You just it goes away for a long time and it comes back. But it has managed to evolve. It does not feel like that same show that appealed to us in 2004. at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The new se- the new seasons have been just so different from everything else. Yes, and, like, better animated, but also they're more socially aware. Like, some of the more problematic things they did early on, they don't do anymore. That was one of the, that was one of the things I know. I did a rewatch of this show last year, and one of the things mm-hmm. I noticed from the early seasons that I love so much is, like, oh, man, there's a ton of gay jokes in this that do not land. Yeah, but then they sort of self-corrected, and we're covering the era where they start to do that, mm-hmm. where you start to see, oh, the, the ship's turning around, 
and like there's there's two very prominent gay characters both of whom season, are great yeah seasons three and four and then many more after that mm. and you know honestly the the stuff that bothered me more was some of the sort of transphobic trans baiting stuff oh yeah there's Doctor, some rough Doctor stuff girlfriend. with dr girlfriend in the early seasons yeah and again, again i love that character and just like so that's just bad yeah but they don't do it anymore mm -hmm. is the thing i think they have grown in 15 years they're not running in place they're not doing the same show yeah like it's still on but it's evolved with them and i like that a mm -hmm. lot and yeah I, when you watch season one now it's it's funny, but that's it. The yeah. depth of character isn't there. Like, season two is when you really start getting sort of the complexity of, of everybody. Well, I think, like, you can't really talk about Venture Brothers without sort of talking about Doc Hammer and Jackson Public. Like, yeah, this show is more than almost than any other TV show I've ever seen is such these two guys like it's it's got such a vibe of two guys making it in their basement, you know. I I mean South Park is the same way, mm -hmm. but South Park does not hold my interest anymore, whereas the show does. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. If you listen to the to the commentaries on the DVDs, which I have, you really a get lot. a sense of. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh -huh. You get a sense of how much this is their vision and how they overthink every little mm -hmm. thing. Like there's a there's a bit in the second episode, the one that I picked where a character has their own uh, home business and uh, there's a business card for this business and someone, probably Doc Hammer, I would guess, mm -hmm. painstakingly designed a specific logo that looked really good. Yep. But also slightly bad, like a sort of a homemade logo would. And yeah. like, this is a business card you see on screen for five seconds. Mm -hmm. And he put all that work into it. And I feel like Every tiny piece of the show is like that. That's all the, the thing. That's the show the right wardrobe there. Wardrobe and the the locations, and we're talking about a cartoon, mind you. Yeah. But the the wardrobe that they draw, like they will draw new clothes for people, and and the locations are just gorgeous, mm -hmm. and and just uh, every now and then I'll see there was a I don't remember the source at all. I'm sure some people listening to this know. Uh, there was like a, a showcase of like the home of the future or whatever from like the 60s. Oh, yeah. And I think it was a Disney a, thing. Uh, I mean, there is that. Uh -huh. The thing I'm talking about was in a magazine. It was in like oh, Life okay. magazine or something like that. And this feature in particular clearly inspired four or five rooms in the Venture yep. Compound. And I knew I know they draw drew from other stuff. So maybe they also did Disney like you're talking about. Maybe they did other things. Mm -hmm. But this was clearly one of their influences. And if you look through this thing, it's like, it's so jet age, you know, like that aesthetic that these guys just painstakingly like researched yeah. and, and studied and then reproduced and then sort of crudded it up to, to fit the mood of the show. And it's so good. Well, it's that like, it's that the, 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 the philosophy of Andrew brothers is like the, the future of the sixties didn't work out. Yeah. And, and I read... love that. <laughs> I've read recent things with them where they say they're kind of tired of talking about how the show is about failure. That's what it was about uh -huh. before, and it's not exactly about that anymore. But in the in the period we're dealing with today, mm -hmm. it is still about that. Yeah. But I should point out that as the show has evolved, the the you know the subject and the tone has has also evolved according to that. Well, I mean, so. now that we've moved out of like the compound and we're in like the the like yeah. they're living in New York and like a real like yeah they're doing more building. of a. They're doing more of a like a, a Marvel vibe and they're not it's not because of the movies. It's these guys 
have from day one had a love of like the the original source material oh yeah the comics and stuff and moving to new york just means they can do their version of the kingpin and their exactly. version of the fantastic four and i mean those guys were there at the beginning mm. but you know what they I mean. they can do more but, of it yeah exactly so i think that i think that's enough sort of uh sort of groundwork i watched the first season and i liked it okay it was mm-hmm. like this is it's weird that they're doing a very specific parody of a cartoon that i barely remember yeah because I didn't watch Johnny Quest until, like I say, two or three years ago. And for a show from the 60s by Hanna-Barbera, it's actually quite pretty and really good soundtrack and mm-hmm. some interesting sort of pulp. Also, at one point, there's Nazis. Ah. Because it's set in the 60s and they're in the South American jungle somewhere and there's Germans hiding <laughs> and they've been hiding since the war. And well. They don't say the word Nazi, but it's pretty clear what's going on. Well, look, I'm here for anyone who wants to beat up some Nazis. Yeah, exactly. Um, But uh, I like season one okay. And then that sort of huge thing happened in the last episode. I'm like, well, this could be going to an interesting place. Mm -hmm. And then season two kicked off and it got so much deeper and more complex and better. And, you know, then I was totally on board. So. Uh, so that brings us more or less to our first episode, which is an early episode in uh, the third season mm-hmm. that Matt has chosen, uh, called The Doctor is Sin. And let me tell you what happens in that. Dr. Thaddeus S. Rusty Venture is running out of money, which makes sense since he's terrible at literally everything he does. So the Venture compound welcomes the not very cleverly named General Man Hours for a tour that will hopefully result in some lucrative new government contract work for Team Venture. But despite everyone putting on 30 different costumes, largely confuse and mislead the super fans in the audience who were excited to see new sneak peeks of new character art before the season premiered, the visit comes up empty. This is all just stuff your dad invented, says the general. Only now most of it is broken. Presumably he didn't also mean Doc, but that description also more or less applies. Things are looking pretty hopeless. Until... A one-joke character from the previous season, Dr. Henry Killinger, and his magic murder bag, TM, a hilarious SNL-type catchphrase that he says at least three times per appearance, floats in and offers to change Doc's life. Somehow in the process, Killinger grows a second dimension as he organizes Doc's chaotic affairs, sets him up with a team of Venchmen, and delves into the most dangerous place on this show, the mind of its protagonist. Hey, weird, that's what happened in the BoJack episode Matt picked, too. What a weird coincidence! (laughs) Ultimately, Killinger leads Doc to realize the reason he's miserable is that he's been following the wrong path. He shouldn't be trying to follow in his father's super scientific footsteps, or his giant dick steps. No, Doc's true calling is super villainy. It finally brings his seemingly meaningless complete life completely into focus, and even as an arch nemesis, his shitty overachieving brother, ready to go. But true to failing form, Rusty opts out of this new life and returns to his sad, poverty-stricken existence... for... reasons... Possibly because he's terrified that Brock would immediately begin beating him senseless, I guess. It's it's not because of morals, that's for damn sure. I don't know about that. Oh? See, okay, so this is my good thing. Uh-huh. Let's take a second. I'm an albino. <laughs> Let's take a second to talk about Dr. Venture, my absolute favorite character in the entire show. Sure. I, I, I love Doc to death. He is such a beaten sad, lonely little weirdo. But, like, just every time you start feeling sympathy for him, he, for example, uses the small orphan boy's soul to run his joy can or illegally hires a bunch of day workers to pretend this company actually does something. Like, the guy loves his boys enough to keep cloning them back to life. Spoilers for the show, I guess. 
but he's also one of the most cuttingly verbally abusive characters I've ever seen on TV, and he clearly can't stand to be around them. Mm-hmm. And the worst part is that he's actually a weirdly talented super scientist. Like, there's episodes where he builds things. Like, there's the, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll dispute this in a minute, but keep going. There's the Joy Can. There's the Walking Eye. There's Venture Stein. Like, I don't hang know on, much. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Say that middle thing right. It's a Walking Eye. Thank you. Like, I don't know how much of this is done using his dad's old inventions and stuff, but, like, there's something actually there. And the problem is that he's so hung up on his own ego and all of the abuse that his father laid on him for years. And, like, the realization at the end of the episode that he could actually make a pretty good supervillain if he actually tried and his refusal to do to just step up to do that, like, speaks so much about the character. Okay, so first of all, I don't think he's a very good scientist. I think the general called it when he said, this is all your dad's stuff, only now it's broken. I don't think he invents much at all. He copies stuff, he steals stuff, he repurposes his dad's stuff or his brother's stuff. That's that's all he does. See, I would believe that, like, except that, like, because like, it makes more sense for him to not be good at any of this stuff. But he keeps making things. Like, there's a bunch he of episodes where go. he does stuff. He doesn't really make anything, though. He, Like I said, he just repurposes stuff his dad made. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, that's I, I, all the examples I can think of, and I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of this no, show. No, neither they're, do I. I had to go back are, and do, I had to do some research on this before I actually, uh... Yeah, but a lot of it, like, anytime he does anything sort of insightful or innovative, it's because he's crossed a line that his dad would never cross. Mm-hmm. Like Venture Stein. Yeah, like, things... Okay, maybe he he pushed into some new territory there, but that's territory you don't belong in, <laughs> so that... I don't know if that counts or not. And that's the thing, is, like, I feel like... He is kind of evil, not not in a I don't care about him way, just in a if he just embraced the supervillain thing, he might have been happier. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't see himself that way. He thinks he's a good guy. He's not. Yeah. But that's why he wouldn't let himself do it, because he thinks like everyone thinks my dad was a hero, which we also find out isn't entirely true. Oh, yeah. No, his dad was a monster. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love that whole thread. Anytime we flash back to like. I would love a whole episode of original team venture. Cause oh, yeah. that's some great shit there. But like, I think he wants to live up to what people think his dad was. And that involves being a good guy, mm. but he's, he's just not suited to it. Well, at the end of the day, God, he, he like, he's so lazy. Yeah. That's part of it. And just like, so, like he's so not interested in this part of his life that he feels like he has to be a part of all the time. Mm hmm. And, like, and that's like I think know. about this when I'm watching the show sometimes, where it's like, guys, if you just sold the compound and moved away, you could be perfectly happy. And he talked about that, like that was a possibility. Like it's so much land, just get out of there. But he doesn't like. He wants to hold on to the past. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to be part of that legacy. He wants to be, you know. And that's what his brother was about. Yeah, like it's almost like I, I see him, and they might have even called this out in the show. But his brother was sort of like the uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger to his Danny DeVito. Exactly. From yeah. Like he got all the good stuff, and and Rusty got all the the crap. We're the Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. I sometimes forget Urbaniac does both voices because he does such a good job. Oh yeah. Like characterizing the other guy that they have whole conversations together, and it's like, oh right, this is this is a guy talking to himself right now. Uh, there's a lot of talking to yourself on uh, on Venture Brothers. Yeah, it's it's less effective with Doc and Jackson, who between them have about ten voices and do about fifty characters. Uh-huh. 
And I say this as two guys who did a sketch show. I was going to say, man, like, let's uh, no, not pick at that scab too much. No, I know. Which I was I was always very aware of that when I tried to cast us. Mm-hmm. And that's why we started looking for more voice actors when we started running out of voices. These guys uh, had the guy who does Dean's voice and uh, uh, the guy who does Brock's voice mm-hmm. and uh, James Urbaniak. And otherwise, they do everything else. Yep. Oh, no, that's not true. Orpheus. Okay, there, Dana there's Carvey, a Dana Carvey. Like, Dana, Dana, Dana Carvey. Dana Snyder. Mm. Good Lord. Yeah. yeah. A Ugh. good actor. Bite your tongue. Ah. Ugh. I feel bad now. I gotta write Dana Snyder a letter. D- Dana Snyder. So, okay. I knew him, and most of us knew him, as Master Shake mm-hmm. from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And he's one of those voice actors like Kristen Schaal or like H. John Benjamin, where he's just got the one voice. Yep. That's it. That's all he can do. But- like those two, he manages to turn it into such completely different characters. Well, like, that's that's the that's yeah. The he thing. sounds like Master Shake, but he's this paunchy middle aged sassy gay guy, and mm-hmm. it's delightful. Yeah, I love I love the Alchemist so much, and we both just sort of by chance picked Alchemist heavy episodes, which was great. I didn't I even realize that, that until we got like it's weird because no, like we got two Al episodes and no uh, <laughs> no th- there's no Monarch in either of these. Yeah, that's true. And the Monarch looms pretty large in this show. Uh-huh. I mean, the last couple of seasons have been more about him than I would say about Doc. Yeah. But uh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we picked the ones. I mean, my absolute favorite episode of the entire series is Operation Prom, which yep. is like a, a an hour-long season finale. And first of all, we were choosing half-hour episodes. And second of all, it's it ties up every thread in the show to that point And would have been very complicated to talk about. So mm-hmm. this one, like the one that I picked was a, was a good second choice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I getting back to doc. I like how complicated this all is because we have sort of different interpretations of him, but I don't think either of them is wrong necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's just, he's so fucked up and we see flashbacks to these very Johnny quest adventures where like, they shoot a henchman right in front of him and he gets mm-hmm. the brains on him. Yeah. Like all the, all the brutal stuff that you kind of gloss over in a kid's cartoon, but they really get into it. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, nost- like he's got that nostalgia for his youth, but he also hated his youth. Well, I think he buys into everyone else's nostalgia for his youth, mm-hmm. particularly like uh Billy. Oh yeah. I was we'll rusty venture the- for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think when he thinks about it, it's like, Ugh, that was terrible. Mm. So, I don't know. I I like exploring all the angles of that, and I think that's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. I don't think, again, I don't think there is one answer. Like, well, he's a failure, or he just needs to try a little harder. No, I think he's just complicated and also terrible. Yeah, which I really enjoy. And my good thing, mm-hmm. talking, speaking of going into his head and all that, is the dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And I assume you have the uncensored version. Oh yeah. Okay, because I did. The um when it ran on uh, Adult Swim, uh, it was all pixelated and stuff. But uh, oh wait, no, was, I did uh, have. The, I had like oh, you a, had the black bar. It had the black bar, but the black bar turned into uh, uh, Killinger. So I assume that was intentional, at least in that oh, case. No, I just got like um, uh, uh, Jonas Ventures giant cock. Oh, well, I know, I know that they mo- they they always draw them in. Yeah, no the the DVD had the uncensored version, yeah. and what I what I'm watching was ripped from the DVD. Yeah, no, my DVDs are at my in laws' house. I uh, watch mm. this on Hulu. Ah, yeah, no, it's 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 there, and they have drawn very sp- like they've 
you listen to the commentary, they go into very specific detail about what each character's genitals look like. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Do- it's Doc Hammer, for God's sakes. Yeah. They know who's circumcised and who isn't. Let me tell you about this guy's genitals. And thick and, yeah. And so, but it's this, you know, very Freudian thing where mm. his, like, the first time he sees his dad naked, where he just comes down for breakfast and wasn't thinking, or no, it's, it's, it's popping out of his bo- boxers. Yeah. That's what it is. And... Killinger's narrating the whole time and it's like this is the first time you realized your father was a man and you realized like he was a, a, more of a man than you and mm-hmm. like and then the the dick turns into ropes that are tying him up while he's he's in some dumb Johnny Quest adventure yep. and it, it's this just delightfully overtly Freudian thing ah it's so good I love it uh-huh it's a mess <sighs> And Killinger doesn't fix it. He just sort of navigates it. It's all still there. Mm-hmm. And as we'll see in, in season four, he, um, one of my, one of my contenders, I, the, the second half of season four is like my all time favorite. Like there's a run of like eight episodes that are just perfect. Yeah. To me. And one of them is when the monarch's inside Doc's brain trying to kill him. And, oh God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Orpheus has to go in there to try and save him. Oh, I I love uh, Doc as oh god, what was it? Um, and there will be kissing. Oh yeah, as uh, uh, Eros. Eros, that's it. And there will be kissing, and at least second base. He wants um, he wants uh, White and uh, Billy to make out, <laughs> and the longer they stall, the more he wants and ass grabbing. <laughs> it's all very very good. Another thing we haven't talked about yet is how much fun the show is to quote. It is. It it really is. There are times when it wears a little thin on me. Like I said in my summary, the magic murder bag thing was hilarious the first time, mm-hmm. and then they just kept saying it. Uh-huh. In this episode, he paused. It was like, okay, my magic murder bag. And then he would say something slightly different. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, there it is. There's your catchphrase. Let's move on. The and honestly, useless against me, you silly Billy. Honestly, like, Killinger... This time was great. Mm-hmm. After this, I don't think they needed to use him ever again. He does it's come like, back at least twice, right? Like, Oh, m- many times, because there's this whole elaborate sort of, like, Sith lightsaber fight. Oh, God, that's right. With him and, and the investors. Yeah, and yeah. It's a whole thing. I, I like him like this, like like the the the, uh, the consultant. Well, and also, they like, give him this, he, this is one of those backstory. This is another yeah. one of those characters where you spend too much time with him, and it's like he becomes too he becomes too normal. Well, yeah, there there is that. Also, again, there's only one joke to him, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that more in the next episode where there's a character I feel like that about. They're, these guys do that; they fall in love with a character. I mean, I, I get it. You and I definitely have done that. What us? No. What are you talking about? I don't know what that means, man. <laughs> But uh, a lot of times I'm with them. Like mm-hmm. I never, I never tired of shore leave to this day. I love shore leave. Yep. But there's some others. And again, we'll talk about that in the next episode where I don't entirely love them. Uh, so let's talk bad things. What do you got? Oh God. Yeah. Um, the appearance of Raji early in the episode is not great. Like I get that he's supposed to be, uh, Haji from the old Johnny quest show. And like, Oh yeah. In the first season, they just straight up said Race Bannon and Johnny Quest yeah. and his name. His name was probably Haji, and then they were told to back off. Yeah. So they changed it to Action Johnny and Raji. Yeah. And, like, 
the parody, as far as I know, is exactly what used to show up on Johnny Quest, but mm. it's still bad. Yeah, the thing is, they did, like like I said, I watched it like for real a few years ago. Uh-huh. It wasn't just something I flipped by as a kid. I actually sat down and watched it. Mm. And yeah, there was some stereotype. I'm not going to lie. It was a little problematic, but not nearly as problematic as you think. Mm-hmm. Like, the characterization was a little... Uh, but... The way they treated him was great. Mm-hmm. Like um, Johnny Quest's dad adopted him and just treated him like a son and called him like my other son, my mm-hmm. stepson or whatever. And that was that. He didn't say like, you know, my my Indian, this Indian that follows me around or, you know, something sure. less good. See, because that stuff does happen on Venture Brothers and it's bad. <laughs> no, I know. And they're trying to. They're trying to make fun of it, but sometimes I think they they become the thing they're making fun of. Well, that's uh, that that's they, that's a a hard line to walk, you know. Yeah, to and not to not be horribly racist. Yeah, and two white guys calling out the racism might maybe not be the best yeah. thing. Like I get it, your your heart's in the right place, but it's hard. It's, it's like still it's still like it's still there. Whatever your intentions, guys, it's still there. They've again. They've gotten better. Yeah. They've they've brought more people of color in to do voices. Mm-hmm. Like when they have a character of color, they're they're not just voiced by a white guy. Mm-hmm. But here, like I said, I think you know they put him in a call center. Like okay, he grew up and he's Indian. So where would he work? Yeah. Well, in a call center, of course. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, and and along similar lines with yours, um, one of Brock's disguises involves a turban and some brown face. Yeah. <sighs> no, thank you. Also, can I say my favorite character in this show, hands down, Brock Sampson. Brock's very good. No question. Yeah. Just just um uh uh oh god, what's his name? Putty. Oh, uh uh Patrick Warburton. Warburton. Yeah, thank you. Um just his he's like this angry tough guy, but also he's mostly deadpan mm-hmm. and it's perfect in this world of crazy shit. And actually this is my quote where Orpheus, the most over-the-top, you know, the most most you can possibly be. Yeah. Ranting about Killinger, and then Brock, like, reacts this way. Have you not the eyes to see what he's doing? I've touched his mind! His is the way of the serpent and the apple. He seduced your employer with the poison promises of a Faustian covenant, giving with one hand as he macerates your souls with the other. We must stop him at once! And I fucking like just oh, think I might be a troubling quiet, ma- a that's quiet a, tapestry, a quiet tapestry of despair. Yeah, come I in, love... my friend. Putting those two together yep. is always very They're good. They're so good together. It's that contrast. It's that the, everything is screamed, and then uh-huh. everything's kind of down here like this. No, fucking love Orpheus, man. Yep, I. Probably will never watch the uh, live action uh, Doctor Strange because uh, why Cumber- would Cumberbatch you? Cumberbatch's not doing that voice? He sure isn't. I'm <laughs> um, Doctor Strange. I use my magic powers to fight the Dread Dormammu. Yeah, no, I'm the Doctor Dread Strange. Dorm- no, you got to scream that shit with that music cue right behind you, man. That's how it goes. The new movie's called like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That is designed to be yelled by Doctor Orpheus. The Multiverse of Madness. Yep. Ah, so good. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like magic guys, but also the show doesn't. Nope. And there's a lot of disdain from like. 
Doc in particular just rolling his eyes at the existence of magic, and it it's real. Oh, you'd be one of the best world. lines in the but, series. He's out, there, he's out there destroying my lawn with his magic. Mm-hmm. But then in the episode I was talking about where he goes into his mind, it's interesting because the monarch uses a machine to get in there, mm-hmm. and Orpheus uses magic to get in there, and it's the same thing. Like, it, it's exactly the same. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a whole they episode make it clear. about, like, Doc and uh, Orpheus squaring off on that. Right. And I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that it's a thing in this world. Everything that exists in, in pulp and in comic books and everything exists in this world. Mm-hmm. And every now and then they'll go into, like, the logic of it, and I, I love it. Yeah. Because they think it out so well. Uh, what else? Uh, what else? What are my notes here? Oh, uh, at one point, uh, White and Billy, which thankfully there's not much of. I know you love those characters. I I love Pete. I love Pete White. I, uh, Billy's fine. I do not get the point of them. Like, I seriously don't understand why they're there. I mean, they're clearly there because uh, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public would sit around the the uh, what the fuck do they call their place? the the moon base yeah the moon the, like the moon base just there's a there's a real name for it and i have forgotten don't yeah. yell at me <clears throat> just like i talk like this and i talk mm-hmm. like this and we talk to each other like this for hours at a time because we're friends i mean you and i do that that's where nick and willikins came it from. sure is but you know they're i don't know they're one of the least funny parts of the show to me but they also are always sort of a bellwether of where the sh- like when the show was made because they they I sold the stock to buy a Nintendo Wii like oh wow Jesus Christ <laughs> we're uh, we're pretty far back there huh uh-huh. uh huh what else uh let's see a lot of quotes here <clears throat> yeah oh yeah tons of tons of good quotes no you are the magic man <laughs> not with a stolen dick. <laughs> Did you slip me a Rufo? <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Uh-huh. We did our bad things, did quotes. Yeah. I yeah. think unless you have other things, we should we should press forward. Because he knows my face and because he's magic. <laughs> oh, they also uh for season three they they set themselves a rule that they would not do any Star Wars references. Mm-hmm. And they broke that rule here in episode two. Yep. Or he's like, what? what's in the bag? Only what you take with you. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so here I am, forward. standing in a bag. <laughs> Urbaniac's really funny. Brock, thank God he trained his panda to put me in a bag. <laughs> All right. Moving forward to my choice from uh, the latter half of season four, Everybody Comes to Hank's. Well, sir, a doings are afoot at the Venture Compound as uh, Hank and Dean have finally graduated from their learning beds and are off to bigger and better things. Well, Dean is having an internship in New York with a bunch of people who hate his dad. Hank, on the other hand, faces the terror every boy must face sooner or later, his first shitty job. Now, he easily sidesteps this challenge in typical Hank fashion by reopening Hank Co., a division of Venture Industries and, ha- and Dean Smells Incorporated a supermarket in his garage that mostly sells Doc's old crap. And he even gives a job to his old friend and gross loser, Dermot, who is pretty sure that Brock is his dad. Upon finding this out, Hank goes full true detective and tries to find out if it's true or not, along with the alchemist, who is bored since his boyfriend kicked him out and he had to move in with Orpheus. So they shake down Dermot and find an old venture compound house key, but a quick interview with Brock reveals that he's never actually heard of Dermot's mom. 
And then Dermot's sister swings by to flirt with Hank, and he comes off like kind of a stud because Hank has the ability to become legitimately charming whenever he's playing pretend. So he swings by Dermot's trailer, and one thing very quickly leads to another. Because of sex! <laughs> Meanwhile, Al and Orpheus investigate the compound key using their magic, and Al learns the dark truth. Dermot's sister was the former president of Doc's fan club. He fucked her when she was 15. She gave birth to Dermot. Doc paid the family off. And then Dermot's grandmother pretended to be Dermot's mom and raised her, him as her own. All of which is gross. And all of which Hank accidentally learns when he holds the now magical key. So with that horrible image in, in their memories, Hank and Al head over to the Sphinx headquarters for a quick memory wipe. And Al flirts with somebody. Yes, sure, leave. Wait, they hang, head over to uh, what? Sphinx! What Thank you. <laughs> Didn't say it. But it was implied. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in this season that this ties into, but I think I think you have enough information there. Yeah, I, I hope so. Matt told you. I, first of all, a, as you indicate here, you, you've added some nice extra details that aren't in the episode because this ties in. It's kind of a companion piece to the Dean half of the episode. Yes. I love the way that's written. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure TV shows have done this before and since. It's, they didn't invent this. But I love two characters on similar missions but very different paths that come back together at the end. And each episode is about what they get up to. And then they come back at the end and, and sort of compare notes. Mm -hmm. And the first time, like, we get this mysterious full head of hair Dr. Venture just appears in Hank's room. And, like, <laughs> what, what the hell's going on? And at the end of the Dean episode, you find out. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. I, it's a, such a cool way to tell two different stories yeah. that kind of tie together. It's it's really, really neat. Although we are missing the uh, your dimension is an asshole dimension. What do you think I about that? I quote that all the time. Yep. Nonstop. I'm rusty. <laughs> no, when I told you I'd pick this, you said, well, I, I could pick the Dean one. Yeah, we talked about we that. We could talk about them both. But I was like, nah, you should pick one that you want. Like, mm. don't. You shouldn't have to pick one based on my choice. The thing like, is, that episode is also very good. It's got it is. It's got the brown recluse. It's got which is which is Spider Man as we have all made this joke, mm -hmm. shooting webs out of his ass. Yep, because that's how a spider works. Uh, voiced by uh, Nathan Fillion. Yep, who also wants to be in musical theater, mm -hmm. and helps Rusty write a uh, a musical about his his childhood. It's a hit show on Broadway, <laughs> and. Why those two didn't release I'm Rusty as a single that you could pay money for? Like, these guys hate money. I, like, uh, I have had to go and just watch it on YouTube. Like, to like someone edited the bits together terribly. Yeah, but there's, there's still not a, like, clearly they made the full song. Of course they did. They always make the full song. But we only got snippets of it in the episode. And yeah, someone probably edited them together pretty well, but... They don't have the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like the only action figures for the longest time were Migos, which is cute if you want to do a 70s throwback. But it's it's a show with so many cool character designs. Why aren't there real action figures? I like the, the thing about this show and everything about it for the longest time just felt like Doc and Jackson amusing themselves. Yeah, but they just could like, also make a lot of money doing it, man. Yeah. And like I think that's the thing. They don't give a shit. No, like when they do their t-shirt club, mm -hmm. sometimes it's some cool stuff. A lot of times it's whatever dumb background thing they they fixated on. Yep. Like and it's baffling. The Dean t-shirt, <laughs> which was <laughs> it was just brown and said Dean. Yep. In like balloon letters or something. Uh-huh. Oh boy. 
this was, it took the show a little while. Like in the first season, one of the problems I had was I could not tell the boys apart. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, physically they look different, of course, but they were, they were the same character at that point. Oh, sure. And, it was like the Huey, Dewey, and Louie thing. Like, yeah, exactly. And they gradually, I think either that was intentional or they worked to make it better. Mm-hmm. Either way, by season two, it got a little better. And season three, it got better still. And by now, they're so different. I can't imagine I ever thought that. Mm-hmm. Like, again, these two go off and Dean wants to do the right thing because he's, you know, essentially graduated and wants to go off to college mm-hmm. now. And, and Hank is just going to bum around home with his loser friend because... That's Hank, and yeah. he plays pretend. That's that's Hank. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, and my good thing is I love so much how this starts out as the purest, sweetest, most wholesome premise for an episode. Like, Hank has seen a couple of film noirs on TV, probably, and he's playing detective. He puts on a hat and his detective's whip. That's a... And- Sorry, there's a line in a way earlier episode where Hank's like going off on some weird like, de- like, it's like this where he's like talking like a like an old time detective or whatever, mm-hmm. and Brock goes, "Where do you pick this stuff up, Hank? I've never seen you read." <laughs> yep, and we've seen it when he thinks he's Batman. Yeah, like it it happens occasionally. And look, I can relate mm-hmm. when we do conventions and I have a puppet and I can <laughs> be a different character. I have all kinds of extra uh, confidence. I understand completely. Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, seriously, super wholesome. (sighs) And then completely naturally turns into one of the most depraved plots the show ever did. And they did a lot of depraved stuff over the years. Doc had sex with an underage girl who years later had sex with a possibly underage boy who is Doc's son. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. That's like I love the pivot between like oh it's cute Hank's Hank's playing detective oh shit I also it's so nice seeing Hank get somewhere with a girl too and then it just yep. ruins it well that that you know that late teen excite I had sex I know it's so good <laughs> and Brock being proud of him oh yeah because of course like, Brock is gonna be proud of him you you sure did Hank. <laughs> Very good. Everything is different now because he, of sex. I love. Can we talk about Dermot and how oh, yeah. horrible he is, but how wonderfully horrible he is? Like they they bring the they brought this character in like uh, like a couple episodes back. It might have been the season before. It was the season before they did the uh, the open house thing because Doc was trying to raise money again. Yeah, which resulted in several dead children, by the way. Yep. Um. And like he's just they basically made him the shitty kid that everyone had in in their in their class. Yeah, he's he's uh he's learned real ninjutsu. And yeah. his his hands have been registered as lethal weapons. That's not even a thing that they do. He's he's seen like the secret ending of whatever movie that's like the the hardcore R-rated movie that you'll never get to see and yeah, no, his my, dad no, works we, at Nintendo. Yeah, and, I was going to Yeah, no big deal. My dad works at Nintendo. I've seen Mario 4. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so specific, and it's so perfect. Yeah. I hate him so much. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I love Hank being friends with him because, of course, Hank would be friends with him because Hank will believe literally anything. Yeah. And Hank, again, so pure. Yeah. That it doesn't it doesn't occur to him that there's any of that, you know. And he's, I think he sees underneath all that the kids lying because mm. he's insecure and all that stuff like i think they bond you know and later we find out in this episode because they're half brothers well, but uh, the they're a lot alike is, the, hank is just a very friendly person 
yeah, I love how much, and it's it's in that first episode he appears in, Brock wants to just fucking kill him. Yep. Come on, I, I know I'm not supposed to hurt any of the kids, but can't can you just look the other way for just a minute? Just, just one, just one time. God, I hate yeah. him. It's so good. And he is drawn, like, kind of big with kind of a blonde mullet, and you mm-hmm. think, yeah, maybe he could be Brock's, like, you know, kid. But uh, it, So it's a nice swerve yeah. that he's not. But for a season, you think, oh, maybe, maybe yeah, he is. Right. I don't know. But I love, like, he stole some video games from his shitty mall job, yep. and then, like, whines when he thinks he's caught, and then talks tough to uh, to Al, and then Al punches him, and he's like, oh, like, he starts crying, yep. and ah, oh, so perfect. But, like, as soon as Al's gone, he's like, it's fine, I didn't even care. Yep. God, I hate him so much. Yeah. So perfect. And getting his backstory, I thought, like, sometimes they do backstories. I'm like, nah, I don't care about that. Yeah, I don't care that about Billy Billy's origin. It's fucking terrible. I don't know that it's terrible. I just, it was, like, one of the first episodes of a new season. And it's, like, deeper into the season, I would have been happier. But I waited two years for this show. And now I'm learning the secret origin of Billy Quizboy. That's like, the thing. Like, every time it it, roll, it rolls around when I'm doing a watch, it's like, okay, I guess we'll get through this. No, I, I like it now. Because when you're binge watching, it's different. But... When you're wait, like I said, when you're waiting two years, mm-hmm. and then right out of the gate, you're getting like deep backstory on someone who's way in the background. Yeah, you're just like, eh, can we do a few with the guys I like and then do this? Mm-hmm. But this was this was pretty late in the season, and also it ties into Doc. Yeah, exactly. So this is more of a Hank episode and a Hank and Al episode, mm. which is your good thing. Oh God, yeah. I don't know if there's been a Hank and Al episode before this, but I no. love, I love the chemistry with these two characters. <laughs> No, I they their ensemble by this point is big enough that they're like looking at pairings. They're like, Let, who, yeah, who like, would be good? Well, Hank is fun. Who would enjoy some just mindless kid fun? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna follow you around until we solve this case, or I get bored. Uh huh. Well, I thought that was your quote. Isn't I it? thought so too, and then I lost. I forgot about it and put a different one in, but it's basically ah. the same thing. Yeah, this is a good one too. Yeah, it's just that. You know how I can tell if people are telling the truth. It's one of my gifts. Hank has this case. I've noticed you've been uh, palling around with the young lad. That kid knows how to have fun, Orpheus. You could learn something from him. It's. I love they're having that whole conversation about bewitched. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Orpheus and, and the alchemist. Yeah. And I love that magic people talk about that. Yeah. That just delighted me. Where do you stand on that, Orpheus? I would kill some... <laughs> I would turn uh, turn Mr. Tate into a donkey, telling Dora to get a life. <laughs> and blind that horrible... I don't know, I don't watch Bewitched. Horrible Mrs. Kravitz, there you so go. I did. Yep. Come on, it was a show... Like, when you're homesick from school, and there's a show about magic or, like, boring grown-up stuff, you watch the show about magic. Oh, no, dude, I would have watched it if it had ever been on, but, like, I never saw did it you, growing up. Did you get I Dream of Genie? I don't think so. Oh, because they're basically the same show. Yeah. No, we had a lot of Gilligan. That was about it. Ugh. I mean, that's another one in that pile, I yeah. guess. <laughs> Shut up, but, Gilligan. But yeah, these these two together were great. Uh-huh. Al clearly needs the distraction. As we find out later, the guy he was dating was Shorely. Uh-huh. Got a little clingy. Mm-hmm. But I love that they end up back together. That's in the prom episode. There's some really sweet stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Those two are fucking the best. Just... Yeah, they are. And that's, again, them course correcting, mm-hmm. them doing some shitty borderline gay jokes and some, you know, 
stuff shitty, that... not so borderline gay. Like, there's some rough stuff in the early seasons. Oh, is there? Yeah. I, I, I remember there just being like, oh, you're gay. Like, is it was it worse than that? I can't remember anything specific. I just, okay. like, I was very shocked going back. Oh. Because, I mean, at the time, it was the same kind of crap you and I were doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this shit was everywhere. That doesn't make it okay. It just, no, it absolutely it, it does. What I'm saying is it didn't jump out at me at the time, so it must have been mm-hmm. just, like, standard stuff. Like, no, it hasn't aged well, mm-hmm. but, yeah, whatever. But, uh, again, they've gotten better. And it's cool seeing them have two gay characters. And uh, later in the se- again, in the prom episode, my favorite one, there's this extended sequence where they're trying to find out. Uh, there's a sex act called a Rusty Venture named after <laughs> Rusty. And they're trying to find out what it is. It's one of those urban myths that everyone has a different explanation for. And they call every gay and bi and basically everyone. I thought they on... called every pair of characters that Doc and uh, well, Jackson do. There was that. But they basically called everyone on like the LGBTQ spectrum, like just, just on the show. Mm-hmm. And. The sequence went for five minutes. Yeah. There are a lot of characters by that point. And it was, aw, look at look at all these little gays. It's great. It's nice. And those two hooking up was the sweetest thing. Uh-huh. Now, isn't your bad thing about kind of a borderline gay joke? Oh, uh, yeah, there's a there's a line from uh from uh, Hank that goes, I'll quit eyeballing the Nance, which ain't great. Meh. I don't know. There's you ever read a Mike Hammer book? No non-stop with that bullshit oh lord i know um oh god what's his name did the big sleep uh dashiell hammett no not dashiell hammett that's um oh god damn it this is gonna bug me now i don't know uh he did all the marlowe books mm, i know who you're talking yeah, about yeah but right I don't, I don't remember the author philip marlowe mm-hmm. uh, raymond chandler okay raymond chandler did a ton of uh, stuff like that like and then and then Marlo beat the crap out of a gay guy for three pages for no reason. Oh yeah, no. Uh, the uh, the Mickey Spillane Mike Hammer books were very much like yeah. that. Yeah, and the punchline basically at at the end of one of them was that there was a trans woman that he was involved with, and basically like uh, he's like, "No, I wasn't. I knew there was something off about her." The okay. Whole time. Yeah. All right. Cool. Whatever. Cool. Whatever, cool. Cool. Man. Cool. Cool. Fine. Yeah. But anyway, if they're if they're Doing like a an homage to that kind of stuff, like one very softball, borderline joke. I, that feels, you know. I had a hard time finding a bad thing for this episode. I really like this one. I mean, me too. Yeah. Except uh, there is, this gives me an opportunity to talk about, uh, well, like I said, these guys would sometimes latch on to characters they love that I got pretty sick of. Mm. Uh, Sergeant Hatred definitely falls in that category for me. Yeah. Uh, not much to him, and a lot of it is pedophile jokes, which also have not aged well. Nope. And he pretty much sucked in this episode. Mm-hmm. He was also barely in it. Yeah. But... I like him getting yeah, they... excited about running a running a diner in Hank. A, ha- a hash house. But I like anyone getting excited about, like, how do... how do you lure your friends into doing this? There's only ten people in this compound. There's no need for them to pay for things, mm-hmm. and yet... They're excited to be here. Like, this isn't even the first time this has happened. Nope. And also, Doc, like, the the logical thing would be for Doc to return from his trip and say, this doesn't count as a job. Close this up and get a real job. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't do that. He rolls with it and starts buying his stuff back. (laughs) I love that. I need to find batteries for the remotes you stole from me. (laughs) Like, you told him to, uh, oh, it's so good. Yeah. 
It makes no sense, but I, that's part of the charm. Well, it makes no sense that it makes perfect sense for these people. Mm-hmm. Like, Hank's just going like, oh, I'll open up a store in the garage again. And Doc gets back and goes, I guess he opened up a store in the garage again. Well, I told him to get a job. I guess that's a job. <laughs> you win this round, Hank. But also, I love his vision of a department store that has a restaurant and a notary public and a detective. The, de- like, the detective agency already is there, by the way. Like That's what I'm saying. It's all part of his plan. Yep. He put together this multi-department like uh, facility mm-hmm. that has all these different things. Yeah. Like, why? Uh-huh. Because uh, cause Hank, that's why. Yeah, that's how his weird little mind works. Because Enrico Matassa, uh-huh. that's why. It means Hank Hank. <laughs> no. It's, oh it's, god. It's it is delightful. Um also all of the all of the noir dialogue. I've been watching a lot of old movies for the last little while and I watched a lot of noir not too like in the in the very recent past and first of all it's it's very good. It's very accurate. It's so much fun to write. Like mm-hmm. I've written some stuff like that. It's so much fun to say. It's fun to hear like that just sort of rapid fire, mixed metaphor, you know, snappy dialogue. I fucking love it. Mm. So good. There's so many little turns of phrase in this that are that are just great. Uh, what else? Uh. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, there's a part. There's a part in this episode when uh, when Hank goes to visit uh, uh, Nikki at their trailer, and she's reading an issue of Toy Fair, which. As a longtime reader of Toy Fair, delighted me. Oh, all right. I just recognized the logo. Like it was the no, old, I, it was the old Wizard Magazine spinoff that that was about uh, action figures. Yeah, no, I, I know read it because for like ten years. Twisted Toy Fair Theater then spun out of that, and yep. that's that's a thing you and I both read. I know, but yep. I didn't read actual Toy Fair. I'm Bosk. They had a Bosk in the Mandalorian, and he didn't say I'm Bosk. No, What's but wrong as, with you people? As I mentioned earlier in the in the week on Twitter, he did say it on Clone Wars, which made me clap my hands in delight. Yeah, that was, and that had to have been a reference. It must have been. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't say it the way we imagined him saying. It. He did not. No, but that's okay. Um, but no, I mean she's a collector, mm-hmm. and like she was the head of Rusty's fan club and probably, you know, still sells memorabilia. So yep. it makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect that. sense. It's just nice to see, you know, that's the kind of detail those guys, although I'm surprised they didn't do some kind of like knockoff parody of it. Mm. That's usually their style. Nope. Just read, read and toy fair. They were nice to us in an uh, interview. They did. Yeah. For our uh, shitty Mego figures, probably. Yep. Where we were like, yeah, we know they're shitty Mego fi- th- figures. That's the point. Yeah. When we were kids, you could only get this sort of one figure mold that had different clothes and hair, mm-hmm. and apparently that's great, I guess. Uh-huh. No. They later did real action figures that still weren't very good. No, I know I know they did, and like they were sort of like the Kenner original Kenner Star Wars ones where yep. there weren't a lot of points of articulation and nobody was really scaled right, yep. and also I think there were maybe 10 figures at the most. Mm-hmm. Like, there's such a big cast of really interestingly designed characters on the show. Yeah, but again, like, no, you we're, like, we're going to do it like th- they did back in the back in the old days. And I get it, but on the other hand, do you hate money? Also, there's never been a, a video game of this show, which just baffles mm-hmm. me. Like, it, and they it would have so, so much well. fun making a video game. Like, oh, of course they would. 
Uh, Brock did appear in the uh, Telltale uh, poker game. Yeah, that was weird. Which was fantastic. But... There's a bit uh, where if you win, mm-hmm. uh, if, if it comes down to you and Brock and then you win, mm-hmm. uh, he goes, don't tell anybody I did this. And he holds up his two fingers and says, go team venture. <laughs> it's very good. And they got Warburton to actually do them. Yeah. Most, so it was, it was cute. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Kate McKinnon was the voice of Nikki and actually her mom. I did not notice that. And then I saw your your note here. It's just, oh, yeah. She was like when they finally started casting women as women on this show instead of Doc and Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she sort of played all of them. And I think she still does. Oh, nice. Like they've they've added more since. Then. Sure. But but she was sort of like, OK, we need someone with a lot of range who can cover like. 10 different characters. Mm. And I, this might have even been pre-SNL for her. I'm not sure. That wouldn't surprise me. I love Kate McKinnon. So, like... Yeah, she's she's done some problematic stuff, unfortunately. But, yeah, well... Uh, but, but I think she's talented. Yeah. But she did some sort of transphobic stuff and sort of doubled down, did not apologize. Oh, cool. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, sorry. Oh. Sorry. Right. Everyone's, everyone's a monster. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, what else? Okay, so yeah, I uh I talked about this a bit about how, um, so Nikki was fifteen when mm-hmm. she was with Doc, and Dermot is supposed to be like Hank's age, right? Yeah. So she's got to be like thirty now. Yeah, is that a, is that right? I guess that makes sense. And H- Hank and Dean just graduated, so maybe he's eighteen, but mm-hmm. he still could be seventeen. Yeah. Well, the boys are hard to figure out because of the whole cloning thing. Like, yeah, they that's were they were thing. fifteen for like ten years. Yeah, and they know, or they're, they're kind of aware of that now, mm. I think. But in any case, it's like, it's gross because he's Doc's kid, but it's also gross because of the, the substantial age. Like, she's just doing it to him now. Yeah. Is my point. <laughs> just, ugh. It's not, it's not great. But uh, they managed to have it both ways because they made it very clear that that was gross. But they also, and, and that's why he had to have his memory wiped. Mm-hmm. But also that excitement, that that you know, I had sex, right. which is exactly how Hank would react to that. Also, I feel like that was a bit of fan baiting because all the girls love Dean. Yeah, and Hank is the first one that got anywhere with anyone. Yeah, which I kind of like. Dean had trouble with the ladies for a while after that. Yeah. Um. What else? Anything? I think that's it. All right. Well, it's a great show. Yeah, totally. And I, I imagine this is completely impenetrable if if you haven't watched all of it. But no. if somehow it sounds good to you, you should watch all of it. Absolutely. It is a great show. And the more recent seasons, I wish I could remember more of what happened. And that's less because they weren't good and more because I haven't watched them a thousand times like I have the other Yeah, seasons. exactly. Like, you know, we've been through the early stuff so many times. Yeah, because when a new season comes up, I usually do a rewatch of the whole show to that mm-hmm. point, which means I've seen season one, you know, ten times. Yeah, I've exactly. seen season two nine times, mm-hmm. you know, and so on. But, like, um, Paul F. Tompkins shows up as the Blue Morpho. For <laughs> so good. And uh, John Hodgman shows mm-hmm. up. And, like, they, they finally start casting people who aren't them. Well, basically, everybody you like shows up eventually. Yeah, pretty because much. Because everybody you like likes this show, so. Mm-hmm. You it's know, a very good show. You couldn't keep Patton Oswalt away from being on this. Oh, of course not. And H. John Benjamin. Yep. And, like, everybody. So good. Yeah. All right. So that's all for this time, yeah. I guess. 
Uh, next time is the third of three. Mm-hmm. We will be reviewing Batman the Animated Series. Yep. Which, at one point, long, long ago, when we thought Star Trek would end, which it never will, mm-hmm. there are now, what, six series in, in development on the horizon? Something like that? Yeah, we were trying to figure that out earlier. It's five or six. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to be busy. Like, once we're done, like, once Picard starts, we're, we're back in it forever. Yeah. Like, don't forget you're here forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... I don't know who the her is. Probably Tilly. Do it for her. Yeah. Yeah. That. I mean, I do, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, at one point when we thought, well, after Enterprise, that's it. Um, uh, I'm so glad we didn't leave with that, that bad taste. Oh, God. That would have sucked. We had discussed the idea of moving on to a new show that we both loved and mm-hmm. we both would love to get into, like, exploring, you know, comprehensively. And we decided that the Bruce Tim shared universe of uh, ba- it started with Batman and then went on to Superman and then Justice League and Batman Beyond and all that mm-hmm. would have been a good direction for us. And we ended up not doing that because more Star Trek. But next week we will be covering two episodes of Batman the animated, yeah. animated series because great show, like uh, you know, uh, a very influential show over both of us. I would say. Oh God, yes. And you know like uh, hugely important to both of us and definitely holds up still very great. Mm-hmm. Also, I kind of wanted to cover three cartoons cause we so rarely cover animated stuff on this show. Yeah. So, uh, so the episode I have picked is called over the edge. Ooh, it's a, it's yeah. a bat girl centric episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you told me what your finalists were, but I don't actually know. This is a surprise to me. What's your episode? Uh, I finally went with the man who killed Batman. Okay. Which is a really good I, Joker episode. I don't know that one by title. So, uh, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen all of them. Sure. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to watch that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's next week um, on the horizon. Following that, we will be doing uh, our, our yearly crossover with the Gavs, our mm-hmm. Christmas special. Then we're doing a supplemental. So if you want to write to us, it's postatomichorror at Gmail. We would love to hear from you. Uh, then after that, back into Star Trek. We're doing the short treks and then Picard. Yeah. So it's looking, you know, it's all... looking like we're finally getting back on message. Yeah. After a year. Um, yeah, after almost an entire year. Disco ended in March, I think. Good March Lord. or April. Yeah. And we spent this entire year. I've been numbering these these mm-hmm. off off track ones, and this was number thirty one. Jesus. So. All right. Yeah. Well over half a year anyway. Uh so the website is ever postedomicor.com. Uh if you want to check out Endeavor, the entire ten episode first season is now available to you. Mm-hmm. USSendeavor.com. We're so proud of how everything came out. We would love if you would check it out. Please do that. Yes. Uh, we are on Twitter at Algar at Robot Matt, and I think that's it. Yeah, see ya, folks. The Post Atomic Venture Brothers podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this until Star Trek comes back.